We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 404 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. I am a writer for Cheesehead TV and an analyst for Green Bay Nation. You can always follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. My guest today is Andrew Murtag. We had so much fun uh, doing the first ever Andrew Squared episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast just about 10 days ago that uh, we had to do it again. So, Andrew, welcome back to the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm excited to have uh, Andrew Squared for the second time. Yeah, I'm really excited. Thanks for having me. And now you're hosting tonight, so it's like role reversal. Um, I think people are probably getting a little sick of hearing me if they're tuning in to Pack-A-Day every every day, but uh, that's all right. Right. Well, I am not. Uh, I think you've uh, obviously been doing a great job. I know you've had to fly solo and have uh, emergency guests like myself at the last moment. But uh, one of the things that you did a fantastic job of, of uh, is you actually interviewed Aldo Gandia, which we're going to get to in a little bit. Uh, but I appreciate you doing that and uh, really excited to get that uh, in just a little bit. But uh, maybe just a little bit of a teaser. What were some of the things that you discussed with Aldo that we'll be hearing a little bit later? Yeah, um, well, Aldo is from BearsBarroom.com, not to be confused with Bears Barstool, different different content area. But um, we, we talked really about what the Bears roster has been up to. I think the thing that I like most about Aldo is he gives a really in-depth 
perspective that is not super homeristic. And we we discussed, you know, what Mitch Trubisky has looked like, what the offense in general is is going to look like with largely the same cast of characters back. And then a little bit on the tweaks on defense, you know, defensive coordinator change, as well as the ever controversial Adrian Amos versus HaHa Clinton Dix debate. Super. So I'm I'm super excited to hear that uh, just a little bit later. But we have no uh, you know lack of topics to discuss today. Of course, the 53 was announced yesterday, and uh, we've got the practice squad. We had no waiver claims. We're going to get to all of that. But Andrew, I'm really curious to hear your initial 53 man roster impressions. I know you and Kyle you know do a lot of roster breakdowns throughout the entirety of the season. You know you're looking at whether it be uh, draft prospects, how the, the how the team is put together. This is something that is, is very much in your wheelhouse. So I'm, I'm intrigued by your initial 53-man impressions. I'm always very interested in how a roster is structured. And, and oftentimes we get to this point uh, and it's cut day and then you, you're watching Twitter really closely and you get sort of slapped in the face. There's like this huge surprise. And I just felt like there wasn't that big massive nobody saw it coming uh move and and i think a lot of people a, a lot of the folks on the pack day podcast who made roster predictions were pretty accurate you know i'm seeing numbers in the high 40s or or i think the highest number i saw was 51 people are people are getting it pretty close and so i didn't see a you know, my jaw hit the floor at all. Yesterday, I was traveling all the way across the state of Wisconsin to go to a fantasy football draft. And so I didn't get to check Twitter because I was driving. And then when I got there, I checked it and I kept waiting to to see like something just shocking. And it wasn't there. So for me, it was the players who really set themselves apart during the preseason and, and this whole process. Um, maybe it's the media accessibility that we have, but um, you know, and, and you're, you're somebody to credit with that, like to, to get to hear who is really excelling in practices um, and then to see it on the field of the preseason games. It seems like Brian Gutekunst was seeing the same things that we were seeing. Yeah, very much so. And I think that is a pretty a big takeaway is that there wasn't really that any major, you know, any major surprise. There were a couple that to me were were minor surprises, EQ going straight on IR. And I thought, you know, uh, Aaron Nagler made a good point today that I think maybe that injury was a little bit worse than maybe we were initially led to believe, which makes that move a little bit more uh, understandable. But I think that was maybe one that was a little bit, uh, you know, kind of caught us off guard, maybe just a little bit. And the only other small one was, I thought one of Chandon Sullivan or uh, Redmond would make the team. Uh, I did not necessarily think that that both of them would. Uh, so that was one minor one, and just maybe keeping 11 defensive backs in general was a, a minor surprise. But overall, this this seemed like a fairly cut and dry, uh, you know, cut down day. Yeah, this isn't the uh, mid-90s NFL anymore to see 11 defensive backs and only eight, you know, edge slash linebackers, however you want to define that role. Uh, really interesting roster makeup. Yeah, absolutely. A couple other things that I wanted to note, uh, some things that I was, you know, more or less happy with or that maybe stood out to me just a little bit. Uh, of course, you know, Tim Boyle over Deshaun Kaiser. This is something that uh, fandom aside uh, was something that I've been on kind of from the beginning and something that I, I very much take a look at in great detail is quarterback play as a whole. I did the quarterback breakdown for the, for the Cheesehead TV draft guide this year and 
When I look at two players that have similar arm talent, similar upside, uh, I want to see the player that just looks a little bit more comfortable. And I, I've I've noted noted ad nauseum some of the things that have stood out to me about Tim uh, Tim Boyle over Deshaun Kaiser. And let me be the first to say I was super excited to see Deshaun Kaiser get claimed today. And I from all from every avenue, from everything that we've ever heard, Deshaun Kaiser is nothing but a stand up dude. And uh, certainly he he was continuing to work at his craft. He's still only twenty three years old. He has a ton of talent. Youth is certainly still on his side. Uh, his his you know situation has done him absolutely no favors. Notre Dame was a brutal situation for him going in and out of the lineup and never really committing to him, uh, having to play on that you know completely defeated Browns team. Uh, then immediately getting traded to the Packers. He goes to Mike McCarthy. Then McCarthy moves on, has to learn an entirely new system. All of these things have been talked about uh, quite a bit, but uh, now he goes to Gruden and the Raiders, and now they have, at least at the moment, four quarterbacks on that roster. So uh, his entire situation has done him no favors. I'm certainly cheering him on and hope that he does well, but was excited that they kept Boyle over Kaiser. Um Darius Shepard over Alan Lazard. That was one that I know a lot of people went back and forth on. And and I think if you looked at Shepard's last game, you would have liked to see him put a little bit uh, of a stronger performance together. Obviously having the fumble uh, didn't hurt him, but I do think the ability for Shepard to play special teams uh, a little bit at a higher level than what Alan Lazard would bring to the table. Again, if you're looking at back of the roster players, you want guys that are going to be able to hang on special teams as well. Uh, But really an incredible story from Darius Shepard. Cole Madison over Justin McCray was another that I really liked. I just think we reached the point with Justin McCray where we knew what we got. And again, here's another example of a guy that for from all intents and purposes was a super stand-up guy. I mean, people went out of their way in the media yesterday to say, uh, you know, how excited that they were that he immediately caught on with uh, another team being traded to the Browns and that he's just kind of the, the one of the best guys in that locker room. So from that aspect, you know, you hate to see him go, but I think we've seen what we've wanted to see from Justin McCray. Uh, he, I, I noted, and he was my lowest graded Packer combined over the last two years, but I've also noted, especially in his, his first year with Green Bay, he was put in just a tremendous, awful position as well. This was a player that when I initially evaluated him as an undrafted free agent, thought that he was maybe like the 80th or 85th best player on that team. I thought he was probably going to be a practice squad player and take some time to develop. Uh, He makes the 53 and then injuries immediately, you know, obliterate that offensive line and he has to play left tackle and right. I mean, this is a straight up guard who was in his rookie season, undrafted guy was not ready to play yet, And he's protecting Aaron Rodgers' blindside. And, and playing left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. He was just put in a really you know brutal position, continued to battle, uh, but he just didn't show that much improvement. And really his only trait left at, at this point that we had seen uh, was his, his versatility. And, and this was uh, something that, you know, is a good thing to have on game days. But I think we've started to see some of that versatility from Cole Madison. He struggled with some of the shotgun snaps. So that's something he's going to have to continue to work on so that he can, if needed, he can, you know, pitch in at center. Uh, but I just think Cole Madison has much more upside. And I really liked what I saw to him uh, in the preseason. He's still got a ways to develop. But again, you're talking about the eighth or ninth offensive lineman. Uh, give me the guy who has some, you know, developmental, uh, you know, talent and some things that you can still bring out rather than a player that we already kind of know what they are. Uh, Fidel Brown, this was an interesting one between him and James Looney. I kind of lean Looney in my prediction. I was a little bit surprised with uh, the Packers, you know, with, I guess with, uh, you know, Fidel Brown not always being available throughout the preseason. Now, I noted at my very first day at camp that Fidel Brown was my number one A standout from that first day. He was all over the place. He looked fantastic. However, 
no pads were on that day. And then uh, he basically got injured and didn't come back, was out a couple weeks. He came back at the end, uh, didn't show quite as much, and then uh, was banged up a little bit at the end as well again. So uh, I, I thought maybe some of those injury issues uh, would, would derail him. I thought uh, Looney put some good stuff on tape, but they decided to go with Fidel Brown, but certainly no issue on my end. And I thought Fidel Brown put on uh, some good tape at the end of last year when they claimed him. And then just very happy that they didn't overthink things with Trevor Davis and Jake Kumaro, uh, two players that it seemed uh, for certain that they were going to make the roster at this point. Uh, but you just never know. There's always a surprise on cutdown day. Now, these are two players that have kind of, uh, you know, to this point, we thought maybe they were going to run out of opportunities. They both made the most of this training camp. And like I said, just very happy that the Packers didn't overthink it and that both of those guys are on the roster because I think they both have the ability to make an impact on this team uh, going into 2019. So any thoughts on any of those at all? Yeah, I, I think, you know, for me, obviously, I like Deshaun Kaiser more than most people. Um, and I definitely saw him as the number two quarterback. But I, I understand that decision. I thought both both the quarterbacks were too inconsistent to be trusted to produce for any length of time at this point in their career. But the difference for me was that Kaiser has the ability to make, I thought he had the ability to make big NFL type first string throws that if you needed a backup quarterback to make one drive to win a game that he can fit it in the tight windows. Um, But that being said, I, I I understand the decision and and the fit within this offense. And certainly people who know a heck of a lot more about football than I do are uh, making that decision. And I'm going to move forward and throw my support fully behind Tim Boyle, even though I've been a Deshaun Kaiser homer for a while. Um, because I don't ever want to become the person who roots against their favorite team just to be able to say, I told you so. And I think this is sort of the point where you rally behind the 53, well, really 63 guys that are on your roster, and you you say, I'm going to support them no matter what, unless their name is Kyler Fackrell. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, you know, the other one that really struck me, and you mentioned this, was Fidel Brown over James Looney, because I thought, you know, when a guy has the kind of first step that James Looney does, I just think that's such an interesting trait and, and so unique for an NFL player. And I thought he sort of held up against the run all right, that I thought he had earned a spot. So I was really, really happy to see him climb back onto the practice squad, because I think he's a he's a player who could make an impact yet this upcoming season. Yeah, and I think that's a perfect segue. Let's jump into those practice squad additions from today. Uh, Green Bay did make 10 uh, you know, practice squad additions, and maybe surprisingly or unsurprisingly, uh, depending on how you look at it, uh, none of them were players from different teams. All 10 were players that were in camp with Green Bay. Uh, those 10 players, as you mentioned, uh, James Looney, as well as Evan Bayless, Trey Carson, KB and Ento, uh, Alan Lazard, Yash Nijman, Randy Ramsey, Brady Sheldon, Malik Taylor, and Manny Wilkins. So that was the 10 guys that they initially added to the team. Uh, quick thoughts on the, the practice squad, Andrew? Yeah, it's it's interesting to me to see how teams, you know, sort of build their practice squad. If if I'm looking at this, I see four players that are what I would consider truly developmental players that you probably don't want to see on the 53 this year. Yash Nijman really needs a year of development, and he 
maybe, although they're very different players, could be on a similar trajectory to Alex Light, where in year two he's ready to actually make the roster. A ton of talent there. Um, I think KB and Ento needs a year of development and, and potentially could be somebody really interesting to look at. Um, I think Manny Wilkins is definitely in that boat and could be an interesting competitor with Tim Boyle going forward. Um, and the thing I really like about Manny Wilkins is he's going to give you looks against the kind of quarterbacks that you might have to face if you're Green Bay this year, the the sort of small mobile quarterback that has become kind of a trend around the league. And, and so that's really interesting. And then you you jump into some guys who may make some contributions. Uh, Trey Carson, Alan Lazard, Evan Bayless is a guy who showed a ton at the end of preseason, and Aaron Rodgers has said some really nice things about, and he could be a contributor depending on what happens at tight end. Uh, Brady Shelton could be a fill-in player at that off-ball linebacker position that has given Green Bay such health problems. Uh, And then James Looney, as I mentioned. Yeah, and I think you make a, a ton of great points there. I think number one that you brought up was Manny Wilkins. And, uh, you know, what you have to do when you're building a practice squad is really fill out uh, a team of players that obviously you feel you can develop, but you also want guys who can run that scout team practice, and you want to be able to have guys that can give you some different looks. I think there's a couple players on this list that can really help with that, and Manny Wilkins is definitely one of those. You know, if you're going up against a mobile quarterback for a week, uh, you want a guy like Manny Wilkins to be able to go in there and run some read option and give the team some of those looks that they have to prepare against. So I think in a in a sneaky way, that's that's a really valuable player to have on your practice squad, even just to help the team prepare this year. I think Alan Lazard's another one of those players where again if you're going up uh, against a, a a team who's got a bigger more physical receiver on the outside he's somebody that can again show you some of those looks and uh, you know give you a, a player that you have to defend some jump balls against in practice so I like that as well um, you know Randy Ramsey has some ability Malik Taylor I just think that some of those guys can give you some looks in a in a scout period uh, where you're you're trying to run the opposing team's offense uh, that or defense that will give the the Packers 53 this year uh, and and starting players this year, uh, some good looks to go against. So I I thought those were were smart additions. Um, I'm with you. The the three guys to me that I think they could bring up uh, in, you know, and and really have contribute should they, should they be needed to are Trey Carson, Alan Lazard and James Loney. Uh, I think those are the three that uh, have the most talent, uh, you know, to, to contribute right away. And those would be the three that, again, if there's a running back receiver, defensive line issue, I think you can call up and not have many worries. And then the, the, the player to me on this list, if there were one out of 10 that you said maybe two or three years from now, ended up really becoming a, a starter or uh, contributing player for the Packers. Any, you want to take a guess on which one I'm going to say? I would say Yash Nijman, but I have no clue what you're going to say. I'm actually going KB and Ento. So uh, Yash Nijman right. is... Yash Nijman is another one simply because, I mean, you you look at that guy in practice and your eyes immediately go to him and you're like, that that guy's a star. Like if, if you're just lining up everyone against the fence and you're picking teams, like Yash Nijman's probably the first offensive lineman on the team that you're taking just at first glance because that dude is big, he is physical, he is strong. Uh, he's what you look for in an offensive tackle. But you said earlier he's probably a year away. I, I think he might even be two, maybe even three 
three years away mm-hmm. for being able to contribute. But uh, it, the the uh, the path is there. You know, you want him on the practice squad this year. Next year, you hope that he shows he can be the the ninth or tenth offensive lineman on the team. The, the third year, you would really like to see him develop into a swing tackle that he can back up. And then the year after that, maybe you know, jump into a, a position where maybe he could really play in some games if needed. So uh, I, I think that would be the the progression for Nijman. But KB and Ento is a player who, uh, you know, similar to a Sam Shields or a Herb Waters was a receiver in college. And he, to me, stood out in camp immediately. Now, he's not ready quite yet, but you talk about a guy who came in and looked the part of a cornerback from day one, uh, even though he was playing that receiver in college. It was just absolutely incredible. Uh, he went up a couple times and really skied to the football. Uh, he has great ball skills, which you would assume based on the fact that he played receiver. I think he's going to be able to have an impact on special teams if and when he ever gets called up. So he is definitely the player on this list of 10 that uh, I'm really keeping an eye on going forward. Yeah, and I think uh, Ento is is definitely somebody that you uh, brought up a, a fair amount during the practices, and so my eyes got drawn to him during the games, and and that'll be a really interesting path to watch. So I need to know what are your thoughts on the the Curtis Bolton situation? Yeah, yeah, great question. So uh, so what happened is they uh, you know waived him injured, which means that other teams have the ability to claim him. If they do not claim him, then he reverts to IR. So uh, it had not been reported by anyone that I had seen up to this point today uh, that he had actually gone on IR. Now, it's, it's more procedural than anything. If he doesn't get claimed, of course, he does, in fact, go on IR. Uh, however, uh, that was uh, something that I noticed today when I was pulling up the roster kind of to prepare for our shows is they do, in fact, have him listed um, on injured reserve. So that's kind of been finalized. Uh, he cannot be brought back uh, to the 53-man roster. They could waive him with an, or release him with an injury settlement. Um, if they do that, there is a time period that he cannot sign back with the team. I want to say it's 10 weeks, but don't quote me on that. I'm not sure if you have that time period off the top of your head, but I know there's a time period that they can't sign him back. Um, I would say that there's an outside chance, depending on what the injury is, that they want to keep him on IR and, and maybe try to uh, you know, you know, keep him on the team, you know, going into next year. Although I will say this, if, if they wanted to do that, they just would have put him on IR to begin with. Um, and then, uh, you know, they wouldn't have released him and, and subjected him to waivers. So uh, you could likely see an injury settlement coming soon. And if that's the case, maybe down the line, whatever that time frame is, maybe they would bring him back. But uh, we'll see if it's something just temporary or if they keep him on IR a little bit longer than maybe we initially thought. Yeah, I just think that this whole situation is just massively disappointing. You have a guy who uh, came in with very little expectations and just played his heart out and and looked to the part and was you know getting reps with the starters, and all of a sudden it's just sort of over or up in limbo, whatever you want to call it. But um, certainly a, a guy who could have been a big contributor to the Green Bay Packers this year, and and now he won't be. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's disappointing, and it's really interesting, too, because I would have assumed that if he was hurt enough that they would have placed him on IR and had no issues keeping a player who makes less than a half a million dollars or right around there on their roster for the year. 
um, so that they could just bring him back next year. Like if this was a guy that they legitimately were looking at as a, a player who was going to play a lot of special teams and, and maybe even some defensive snaps, like it kind of seemed that he was, it seemed like he was ahead of Ty Summers, seemed like he was ahead of James Crawford. It seemed like this was somebody that they really liked. If, if that's the case, you know, you IR, IR him for the year and, and bring him back next year and, and start the process over. Uh, it seems like a, a complete stand-up kid. Seems like somebody that you want on your team. So uh, that that and that was, or I guess that aspect of it was very very interesting to me. Um, now, like I said, what they do from here, my guess would be that it ends up being an injury settlement. I would have expected them to have an injury settlement for Jason Spriggs, which they did this to a long time ago already. Again, they waived him injured. He reverted to IR. I was expecting pretty much an immediate release with an injury settlement. That hasn't happened yet. So maybe, uh, maybe again, Bolton sticks around longer than we would expect. But uh, either way, it's a really interesting story to keep an eye on. And whatever happens, I'm hoping the best for Bolton in his career going forward. Absolutely. Do you think that if the Packers were on, weren't on a short week, if if they were playing next Sunday, they would have maybe done something to address the off-ball linebacker position, maybe with a waiver claim or a, a veteran free agent that's out on the street? Yeah, so I think that's one of the interesting aspects of today was the fact that there were no waiver claims that they they didn't take a you know a, a look at anyone that they really kept their roster not only the fifty three but as we mentioned earlier the ten practice squad guys so I mean this is sixty three players on the roster all of which were in camp with the Packers and uh, I, I do think that maybe that that Thursday game plays a little bit of a, a part into this you know they claim somebody maybe they could have got them in time for practice today but probably not um, and. In which case you're looking at their first practice being tomorrow. And then, you know, you've got three days of practice. The odds of them being ready are actually two days because Wednesday, I'm sure, is probably an off travel day. Maybe they do some walkthroughs. Uh, but, uh, you know, two days of practice, they're probably not going to be ready to play in the game. But it's still an interesting situation because Warren Burks doesn't look like he's going to be ready to play. James Crawford's injury status is up in the air. So they legitimately might be going into this game with just Blake Martinez and Ty Summers. Of course, they've got, you know, a player like Raven. Green, uh, who can play some, you know, some of that nickel linebacker in a pinch. And this is a defensive coordinator and Mike Patton who is willing to go with just about any look in any situation anyway. So it's not like they're going to line up and play a ton of base, but the, the Bears will line up heavy and they'll run on you too. So th- this is going to be something that's worth monitoring. Absolutely. Um, so there was a, a jersey change today that has Twitter all aflutter. Yeah, twenty one Sav. What's your favorite twenty one Savage? You know, song here, Andrew. Do you have a Do you have a favorite twenty one Savage song? Are Are we doing confessions on this show that that I have to admit that I don't know what that is? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I don't even think you need to to make a confession. I think you're all good. We'll we'll leave the the twenty one Savage, uh, you know, trivia and knowledge to uh, <laughs> to other people. Now he obviously did change his jersey to number twenty one, uh, so he does have the twenty one set, you know, Savage jersey. Now the interesting thing that uh, to me is I really feel for all the people who bought a twenty six Darnell Savage jersey up yeah. to this point. I knew there were some people that were asking for refunds. My guess is it's not going to happen. We'll see what ends up happening with that. But um, I like the jersey change. I, I think 21 looks a little bit better on them than 26. But uh, I do feel for the people who bought jerseys so far. So let this be a lesson. Wait until the end of training camp and maybe even the end of week one until you make your jersey purchases for new players. Yeah, I always thought 21 was kind of the coolest number that a defensive back could could have. And and. A lot of that is my childhood with Deion Sanders. 
but you know Charles Woodson of course in Green Bay and and uh you know then the he who shall not be named after him <laughs> playing safety you know it, it's it's a cool number it looks sleek and and so for Savage um that's awesome I think it looks really sharp I that that was my first instinct too like what about all the people who bought his jersey um so there'll be some collector items out there right it's it's no different than like william henderson changing from uh 30 to 33 or uh you know richard rogers went from 89 to 82 i forget which order that went in but you know guys have changed numbers before it'll be all right Yeah, it's interesting because I know there's certain rules in place where like if you're an established player and have sold so many jerseys or something like that, that they like don't let you change your number. There's like a whole process you have to go through like William Henderson and Richard Rogers probably didn't have enough jerseys out there to warrant (laughs) it. Um, It's interesting that Darnell Savage, uh, you know, he he was a first round pick. You would have expected him to maybe have enough jerseys out there where maybe they wouldn't have done it. Um, But maybe there's Maybe there's some sort of accident forgiveness before you play in your first game. I know the Patriots give out some bizarro numbers sometimes before the the regular season starts. So maybe there's some sort of accident forgiveness there. But uh, whatever those jersey rules may be, I will say I was way, way, way more angry and upset than I ever should have been that William Henderson went from 30 to 33 because I loved him as number 30 and he changed to 33 and it broke my heart. Yeah, well, you can blame Doug Evans for leaving for that one. Yeah, and I think I'm on green for joining because I, I don't know. I can't remember the order of operations, but I know I'm on green get number 30 after that. But anywho, we we digress. Let's uh, let's touch a little bit, uh, though, on the injury update from today. Um, I think one of the big takeaways was that Brian Gutekun said that Oren Burks is going to be due back soon. No timetable, but, you know, obviously soon is, is better than the alternative. Um, we had Kevin King and Jimmy Graham back practicing today. Uh, we also had Crawford and Hallman in red jerseys practicing today. So non-contact, I'm sure they probably weren't taking part in, in large team drills, or at least they were non-contact players in, in those drills, but they were at least practicing to some extent. And then you had uh, four guys who were not injured or were not uh, practicing at all. Excuse me. Darius Shepard, Oren Burks, Jay Sternberger, and Fadol Brown uh, were all active, you know, active 53 players that were not practicing. Uh, takeaways on the injury report? Yeah, I mean it's it's big that Kevin King and and Jimmy Graham were back. That that to me is the biggest news because those are the players that you would expect um if healthy would be able to contribute right away against Chicago on Thursday. 100%. And I think the the real big takeaway here and we'll see where Crawford and Holloman are if they're ready to go and we don't really know much uh, about some of these injuries at the moment. It looks unlikely that Oren Burks is going to, you know, be able to play this coming week, but I do think a lot of credit is due and maybe it's just straight up dumb luck. Uh, but if if you go into week 1 and I know a lot's been made out of how they've they've not, you know, uh, played a lot of these players in preseason and things like that, but if you make it through a training camp and a preseason in which your biggest injury is, you know, Equinemius St. Brown, which is probably your your fifth or sixth, maybe even seventh receiver uh, on the roster. Um, and and that's really your biggest injury from an IR standpoint. And then you go into this week with maybe just a handful of guys that are are out that and none of them are are really your key key players. I mean, Oren Burks, you know, Jay Sternberger, some of these players can, you know, sting a little bit, but none of these, no starters outside of, I guess, kind of Burks. Um, that's really your only main injury going into this week. I, I think credit's due to to the team for really load management this preseason. We'll see how that looks and, uh, and how sharp they are in offense and defense. But uh, from an injury standpoint, this is looking really good so far. 
Yeah, and you never know what's going to happen in Chicago on Thursday, but the Packers also then will have 10 days of rest before Minnesota. So that that gives, you know, the guys who aren't going to be playing on Thursday even that much more additional time to get ready for week 2. Yeah, very good, very good point. Well, Andrew, I think now is the time to step into your interview with Aldo Gandia. Uh, break it down a little bit more, some of the things that we're going to hear, and then we'll transition right to that interview. Yeah, it's really great. Aldo was was able to join us last year to preview week one and, and return this year, and we just broke down things that are different about the Bears roster, what his expectations are for the season, and he even talked a little bit about the uh, kicker position, which I know is a very sensitive subject for those in Chicago. Yeah, very much so. So without further ado, here is Andrew's interview with Aldo Gandia. So I am lucky enough today to be joined by Aldo Gandia of BearsBarroom.com. Aldo was gracious enough to join us last year to talk about the week one Packers-Bears matchup. And so I thought, who better to join us again for another week one Packers-Bears matchup uh, than Aldo. And and I do owe you an apology for screwing your name up on last year's show. So I won't do that again. I got your last name right this time. Um, and, but we are we are very lucky to have you on today's show. So thank you very much for joining us. Well, and listen, uh, my mom screws up my name nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> so don't you feel bad about that. And I'm really happy to be here to talk Bears Packers, the greatest rivalry in all of sports, despite what you'll hear from the East Coast biased media, uh, the Green Bay Packers and Chicago Bears, 100 years. And uh, I'm just so psyched about this upcoming game, this upcoming season. And 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 I'm an admirer. Uh, you know, I don't I hope. Uh, Bears fans aren't aren't listening to me right now, but I'm an admirer <laughs> of the Green Bay Packers organization. Uh, you know, you guys probably have should have won more Super Bowls having these two great quarterbacks back to back. But nonetheless, you've been very competitive and and a nuisance at our side here in Chicago. So you can only uh, re- respect that uh, begrudgingly here in Chicago. Well, and I'll say this. We, we certainly live in a society where people don't want to hear any contrarian opinions to what they believe in. But I think it's really valuable to understand other teams across the league and especially your rivals. And for me, uh, you know, being a Twitter follower of yours, I learn a lot about Chicago and, um, you know, other things about the bears that I, I just wouldn't have inside knowledge to. So, um, you provide a really valuable resource and I would encourage all Packer fans to, to follow, follow you. And, and we'll, we'll talk about social media a little later, but let's dive into this. Uh, how has Mitch Trubisky looked this offseason, and do you expect to see a marked improvement from this Bears passing offense this year? Yes, I'll start with that second part of the question. I do expect to see a huge uh, improvement in the passing game, mostly in terms of consistency. Uh, there are games where Trubisky was boom or bust. He throws six touchdowns against the Tampa Bay Bucks, and then he comes back uh, after an injury on a Monday night game against the Vikings and has just a horrific game um here's the deal with with mitch you know he played 13 games in college um he his rookie season he was unfortunately for him and for bears fans he was under the tutelage of an offensive coordinator by the name of dow loggins and a head coach by john fox uh playing you know a 20th century offense in a 21st century uh league and uh 
and and so between those two things, the lack of uh, quarterbacking starting experience and 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 having a, a rookie season as an uh, in the NFL with with poor coaching, that just has retarded his progress. And so uh, now, after a full season of watching uh, or learning under uh, Matt Nagy. I think that he's ready to make a huge progress. And basically what's been going on in camp, and I went to nine out of ten uh, open camps uh, to the public, so I, I studied him tremendously. Th- there were two things that he was working on. Number one was footwork and balance on throws so that he can be more accurate. And we saw more accuracy in camp. Number two He was also working on the leadership of the play, and he has got a grasp of Matt Nagy's playbook here that um, that he didn't have last season. So he knows, you know, what the secondary and third receiver receivers are doing on routes. He knows blocking schemes. He's calling them out. That you could you could easily see that at Bourbonnet with the Bears practice, you could easily see him going through those progressions much better than he did a, a season ago. The third thing that uh, I, I tell Bears fans this, and, and Packer fans should know it too, is that this preseason uh, camp was was kind of a, a science lab for Trubisky and Matt Nagy. Nagy challenged Trubisky to make throws that he probably will not make or should not make in games. He wanted to challenge him to see, can you get it into that tight window? On this particular play, we want you to look here, and if that guy's covered, try to get it here. And so he challenged him to do certain things like that. And with this great Bears defense, uh, a lot of times he failed on those challenges, uh, partly because of the defense and partly because he he probably could just couldn't make those kinds of throws that he was being asked to. So, you know, these reports that have come out of Bourbon A that Trubisky has not looked good and all that, uh, you know, don't buy that. The, the true test is going to be on September 5th when the Bears play the Packers and we see what Trubisky looks like for four quarters. Uh, to answer your question, I apologize that I took so long. I do expect there to be an improvement in his play. The question now is, is can he move from a uh, bottom or mid-tier two quarterback to a top-tier uh, quarterback, and then down the line, does he have the capability of becoming a tier one quarterback? And and only the play will uh, will answer that. Yeah, and definitely some interesting things. I mean, it's important to remember that Trubisky was only a one-year starter in college, and so he's still really learning the position. And, um, you know, that doesn't guarantee success, but this gives him a second year with the same head coach and and coordinator, um, and and that should certainly help his development. And then um, you you look at his weapons, and and one guy that I specifically have my eye on, uh, Anthony Miller, um, who seems to me, I, he was a guy I had a huge draft crush on and was, was really disappointed when he went to Chicago. Yeah. Um, and, and sounds like a guy that might be, might be developing into a, a big weapon for, for year two. Right. Uh, Miller, as a rookie, had seven touchdown receptions to lead the team. And uh, he did this with a shoulder that popped out of his socket. I think it was around game four or five of the season. And the shoulder gave him trouble throughout the season. At Bourbonnet, he was asked by reporters, yeah, how's the shoulder and so forth? He, he said it's still quite not quite 100%, but very close. And he said, 
What happened last season is he was unable to use that arm to create separation on some of his pass routes. You know, you sometimes receivers will use their hands at the line of scrimmage if they're being pressed or in the middle of the route. You know, they'll do some subtle thing with, with the arm and, and the shoulder just did not allow him. So despite this uh, uh, this impediment that he had physically, he still came through with seven touchdown receptions. He's an excellent route runner. His hands, I would grade them at probably a B, B plus, but route running, he's he's an A plus uh, route runner. And uh, he, he, you know, a lot of people kind of compared him to Antonio Brown. I think that's a little may, maybe too much, um, but he could he could be an elite wide receiver in a couple of years. Absolutely. And so speaking of offensive weapons, I have heard some rave reviews about David Montgomery coming out of Bears camp. Do you think he's able to replace Jordan Howard? Yes. Uh, the question is, is definitely yes. And here's why. Jordan Howard, uh, first two seasons, he was extraordinary with the Chicago Bears, uh, two 1,000-plus yard uh, rushing seasons. But he's a power back who just didn't have the versatility for Matt Nagy's offense. Matt Nagy wants five offensive players there that can run every route. And Jordan Howard, his hands were probably a B-minus, to be kind, uh, probably more like a C. Uh, and uh, his route running was probably more like a C minus or a D plus. With David Montgomery, you've got a guy who's got much better hands and much better route running capabilities. And that is why the Chicago Bears are so excited about David Montgomery being a part of this team is because the linebackers now are when they see him in the backfield, they're not going to be dismissive about Montgomery's uh, uh, running out on a pass like they were with Jordan Howard. This guy is going to be a dangerous weapon catching passes. He's been compared to Kareem Hunt. And if you remember Kareem Hunt's rookie season with the Kansas City Chiefs, he was an all-purpose back putting up almost 2,000 yards, uh, all-purpose yards, and that's what's expected of, out of David Montgomery. And the one really, really cool thing about Montgomery that I saw in every one of the camps uh, that I uh, attended was his uh, ability to break tackles. He has a tremendous gift of just powering through uh, uh, tackles. You just are not going to arm tackle them. Uh, defenders are going to have to swarm to him. So he's going to be a tough guy to tackle, and he's also going to be a, a tough guy to guard uh, downfield when he's going off for pass patterns. So, yes, he will be able to replace Jordan Howard, and he's much better suited for, for this offense than Howard was. So obviously the Bears have another running back who can who can uh, give defenses a lot of trouble. Do you think Tariq Cohen and Montgomery uh, will be on the field at the same time a lot? I, well, a lot. Um, I I I don't know that uh, for certain. I know that there there definitely be some packages. We're going to see Tariq Cohen a lot more in the slot on pass patterns, and so. Yeah, we, we could see, you know, maybe a half dozen plays uh, of the two of them in the field and Cohen in the backfield on some and so forth. We'll see about that. The the, the key thing with Tariq Cohen was that he he's, he's a small guy who towards the middle and, and towards the end of the last season, the pounding that he took was visible to my eye. This guy is an electric uh, playmaker with the ball. He can do a lot of things uh, once he gets the ball in his hands. But towards 
the uh, middle and, and, and latter part of the season, I saw him heading out of bounds because that small body was taking a beating. And that's part of the reason that David Montgomery is on this team. So you're going to perhaps see fewer snaps for Terry Cohen this season than last season with an effort of keeping him fresh for the, for the entire regular season and hopefully playoffs. That's very interesting, and especially with the Packers' uh, apparent lack of depth at off-ball linebacker right now. Um, that's a scary thought to to see some of those snaps and Cohen coming out of the backfield in general. But um, the Bears' defense was obviously really dominant last year, and they return a lot of their star power. Do you see any potential regression with the change from Vic Fangio to Chuck Pagano? I'll tell you what, when I saw in practice, uh, this team actually looked better than uh, the the practices I saw a year ago. Now, the practices I saw a year ago, Khalil Mack wasn't on the team. He was a uh, an acquisition in the last week of the season. But I got to tell you, you know, these guys, um, there was an article written by Dan Pompey, the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame writer, where he said that the only thing that could uh, make this d- uh, defense regress this season wasn't Chuck Pagano or it was their own selves becoming too complacent because they're so good. And I just did not see that at all. I had the opportunity to talk to Eddie Jackson and a couple of other defensive players. These guys are hungry. These guys want to prove that this wasn't a Vic Fangio defense, that this was a defense of Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson, Akeem Hicks, Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, Kyle Fuller. All of these star players are want to prove that, you know, hey, Fangio is a great guy. He was a, a smart coach and so forth. But uh, watch, we're, go- we're going to be better. And so, hey, you know, again, the proof is going to be in the pudding and what we see on the football field. But if, if we're talking about what these guys want, desire, which is, in my mind, part of being a great athlete, the will to win, these guys have it. And, uh, and, and we'll see if they can back it up. And do you think that the, the Bears defense has the players to offset the losses of Bryce Callahan and Adrian Amos? Yeah, it's interesting that, um, you know, Bryce Callahan, we saw the year before last, we saw improvement in his play. And then last season, he definitely had a, a, a Pro Bowl caliber season. But I think that a lot of that improvement was the result of a better pass rush with, with Khalil Mack in there and the fact that Eddie Jackson was on the field and can kind of help disguise errors and so forth because of his, uh, his center field uh, playmaking skills. So I don't think there's going to be a drop-off with uh, the uh, replacement of Buster Scrine, uh, and I, I, I'm probably mispronouncing his last name now, but the former uh, Jets player uh, has looked great in camp. Uh, great is too strong of her. He's looked very good in camp. And then uh, Duke Shelley, a, uh, a fourth or fifth round rookie, uh, has looked good too. So I don't think there's going to be uh, an issue with the slot uh, cornerback position. And uh, and then the, the, the replacement of HaHa Clinton Dix for Adrian Amos, who is now up in Green Bay. Green Bay. And by the way, I'm a big Adrian Amos fan. I think you guys got a re- really good player there. But I, I think it's going to be really fascinating to see. You know, Adrian Amos had three interceptions in his entire four-year career with the Chicago Bears. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix had three last season. And so, uh, you know, with this pass rush, we we might see more turnovers with Ha-ha, Clinton Dix and Eddie Jackson at the safety positions than we saw with Adrian Amos. And, and, um, 
and and Eddie Jackson in the uh, in the safety position. It's going to be interesting. Absolutely, and and so obviously the haha Clinton Dix versus Adrian Amos debate was was all uh, a flutter on Twitter uh, between Packer and Bear fans all off season. So um, it, to me, it's a really interesting debate because they are just drastically different players. Adrian Amos is about as assignment sure as you can get in the NFL, and yes. haha Clinton Dix is sort of a ball hawk who's going to take a lot of chances, and mm-hmm. sometimes they pay off and sometimes they don't. But he's going to make big plays either way. So. Right. Um, do you think Haha is a good fit alongside of Eddie Jackson? I do. You know, I, I at first I kind of wrestled with that a little bit because they're very similar. But when I when I spoke with Eddie Jackson, he was so psyched about having Haha at his side. And 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 the thing about Chuck Pagano, uh, he's a he's a defensive backs coach. I mean, uh, you talk to Ed Reed, the Hall of Famer, and he will praise Chuck Pagano left and right. So I think we could see a resurgence of of Haha's uh, career. I think one of the reasons he wanted to come to Chicago was to play for somebody like Pagano and play alongside of somebody like Eddie Jackson that, you know, his, his stats are just going to look good and he's going to be a very marketable free agent at the, at the end of this season. He's, he's only going to play in Chicago for one season. The bears, uh, with their salary cap issues, will not be able to afford HaHa, who will probably be making seven, eight million dollars by the end of this season. Uh, and, and given that the the Bears have to extend the contract with Eddie Jackson, who probably will be the highest play, paid safety in the NFL soon, you know, it, it, HaHa is just a one-player rental, and I I think he's going to really. Uh, I think he's going to gel with with uh, with Eddie, and you could see him have seven. Uh, eight in- interceptions this season so it's going to be interesting pairing definitely and and certainly something that uh, everybody's going to be watching week one is how haha plays and how uh, adrian amos plays so finally we've talked offense we've talked defense we'll move into special teams and i know the kicker position is certainly going to be a sore spot for chicago fans but um it seems that eddie pinheiro i think i'm pronouncing that right sure. um has emerged as the guy um, to go at least to start the regular season. Do you, do you think he's the answer there? I do. I, I do uh, because I think the guy's got the moxie for that position. Uh, he's, you know, uh, he's kind of a, a little bit on the cocky side, but not the annoying cocky type of kickers. We, we, you hate really cocky kickers, you know, they're, they're you know, jumping and falling, hurting themselves and so forth. And he isn't quite there, but he's got a lot of confidence in his leg. He's got the type of leg strength that you need to kick for the NFC North, to kick in Green Bay, to kick at Soldier Field. Um, he, he wasn't as accurate as the last guy, the last guy being the guy that he competed with at camp. But uh, the, the Bears brought in a special teams uh, uh, uh a uh, specialist, a, a kicking specialist, to help with that, and I, and I, what I saw out of all those camps, you know, Eddie would typically go eight of nine, nine of ten in his kicks. I think he's only missed one in preseason, uh, and he did hit a fifty-eight yarder in the last preseason. Preseason, and if he doesn't have a screw up this Thursday against the Tennessee Titans at Soldier Field, he will definitely be the guy, and and I think he will have a good season and and, and maybe hopefully a good career with Chicago. Well, that is a ton of great information and a colossal thank you for joining us and getting everybody pumped up about next Thursday's NFL kickoff and and really getting the week leading up to it started. So Aldo, where can people find your work? 
Well, the the best place to go is uh, Twitter. At uh, Bears Barroom uh, is where you can kind of uh, find links to all the other stuff that we do. And we love having uh, Packer fans on uh, follow us on social media so that we can interact with one another. We do, you know, our share our fair share of trash talking, and it's always meant uh, with you know the utmost respect for all fans. You know, at Bears Barroom, we totally get that this is a game and we're adults just having fun and so forth and so once in a while you know the conversations get get a little silly but uh, i always try to make sure we we take it back a notch because we're all fans of the great game of football we're all passionate fans of of our teams i've got a lot of respect for green bay packers fans green bay green bay packers i love going up to lambeau field to watch football uh that's just a, a special place and I, I i always tell chicago bears fans get on out there and watch a game go watch a preseason game you know uh, go go watch a, a regular season game even if it doesn't involve the bears because you just got to scratch that off your bucket list lambeau field is great you know the neighborhood that it's located in the history of of the franchise and so forth it's just super super fun so to answer your question follow us at bears barroom and we've got tons of uh, podcasts we have got 12 shows on our bears barroom radio network and uh half of them are dedicated to the bears and another couple to chicago sports but there's also a gambling show with mike north who is a uh, probably one of the hottest handicappers out there in the business so if you like to lay a bet uh, Mondays and Wednesdays, he's got a show uh, that gives you some gambling tips. And then we've also got some entertainment shows. If you like streaming shows on Netflix and stuff like that, we've got some shows dedicated to that. We're trying to build a network of uh, entertainment programs. So so follow us at Bears Barroom and you'll get all that info. And it's definitely a great follow. And, and if you like interacting with, with intelligent fans of other teams, that's a great resource for doing it rather than just sort of in the open cesspool of Twitter. <laughs> you can find a little bit more concentrated crowd there. Um, so thank you again. And um, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. All right. And that interview was brought to you by Ticket King. If you have not yet got your tickets for this season, please make sure to do so. Go out to theticketking.com. This is your last opportunity to get 10% off using promo code Packaday. That is promo code Packaday, no dashes, no spaces. Get your 10% off, get your favorite tickets, and make sure to get the tickets that you need for this upcoming season. It is going to be a very exciting season. Minnesota is going to be here in Green Bay before you know it. Uh, so get those tickets. And again, Use promo code Packaday. Thank you so much for the Ticket King for supporting us. We appreciate it greatly. So please make sure to go out and support them. All right. That was a fantastic interview, Andrew. Thank you so much for doing that. I am curious to hear your biggest Packers Bears storyline going into this Thursday. I would have to say it is the remade Green Bay Packers defense against this sort of evolving Chicago Bears offense. And what's going to happen? Can the Packers front seven control David Montgomery and then a little bit of Tariq Cohen in the running game? Can they get enough pressure on Mitch Trubisky to prevent him from getting the ball out to some some pretty serious weapons with Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller and Trey Burton and Tariq Cohen and... Taylor Gabriel and and the list goes on. So it's it's really going to be interesting to me since we basically haven't seen much if at all the the Packers complete starting defense in the preseason what they're going to look like. Can that pass rush be better? Can the back end hold up? 
And uh, what what are those linebackers going to look like? Is it just Blake Martinez and a bunch of defensive backs? Or, um, you know, do do we see something that, that we weren't expecting, like a little bit more Ty Summers? So a lot of, a lot of intrigue there for me. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool storylines here. I think you brought up a couple of them. I mean, uh, you go Nagy versus Patton. I mean, you give both of those, you know, two coaches uh, an, an entire offseason to scheme up a bunch of crazy stuff. And you know, both of them are just chomping at the bit. National television, first game of the year, Packers, Bears, huge rivalry. They're both going to throw the kitchen sink in right away. And I think that's just going to be really fun to watch just as an NFL fan in general. I think you're going to see some exotic looks from both the Bears offense and the Packers defense. You know, from a, a flip side, and you touched based on it as well, the, the linebackers and, uh, you know, kind of uh, David Montgomery. You know, what's David Montgomery best known for, Andrew? Like, what's his b- biggest skill? I don't know. He's He's been pretty electric uh, in the preseason, if you believe what Chicago has has to say about it. Um, what what, it, what is his biggest skill? I would say it's eluding and, and breaking tackle. I think he is a, yeah. a, a player that's really tough to, uh, you know, to get on the ground. You know, you can you can get him for a loss from time to time, but he is slippery and elusive and somebody that is just in general very tough to tackle. And one of the biggest issues that the Packers have had this preseason so far, of course, has been tackling. So that's certainly something that I'm keeping an eye on. You have HaHa Clinton Dix versus Adrian Amos. Now, I know it's always ridiculous uh, to pin two players against each other when they're never going to be on the field at the same time. Uh, but if you have been involved with Packers Twitter and Bears Twitter in any way, shape, or form over the course of the last few months, now uh, this is one I tweeted out today that even regardless of the score of Packers Bears games, we really need Adrian Amos to go out and outperform Haha Clinton Dix. Uh, so Adrian, if you could do us a solid and go do that this Thursday, that'd be really great uh, because a lot of us have put uh, a lot of words out there in your support. Uh, so please go out and have an amazing game and, and maybe like a game winning interception would really be the icing on the cake. And then, you know, I think last but not least is is Matt LaFleur. And I think anytime you have a brand new head coach, one of the absolute best things that you can have is early success. You get early success and you get early buy-in and you get early buy-in and it just gives you so much more confidence. It gives the team more confidence and things can really start rolling very, very well. Not too dissimilar to what we saw out of Matt Nagy and the Chicago Bears uh, when he became head coach. So I think getting off on a positive step for him is going to be so important. Now you could potentially have a situation in where the Packers lose this game, but they look fantastic and, and the offense clicks great and everyone's still feeling great about Matt LaFleur and buying in. But if you have a great game offensively and Matt LaFleur, you know, looks like a really good coach and you win the game uh, again, that can just get everything flowing in the right direction. On the flip side, things don't get started off great. Maybe he loses a a big challenge at an inopportune time or doesn't manage the clock correctly and they end up losing a game. Uh, That can have a very negative effect as well. And all of a sudden, that second game against Minnesota, the the pressure just ratchets up just a little bit. And then all of a sudden, what happens if something goes wrong? I mean, you can see how this can start to domino or it can start to really gain momentum depending on how these games early in the season go. So that's definitely a huge storyline that I'm looking at, not just necessarily Packers-Bears, but just to see how the team takes to this new coaching staff and specifically Matt LaFleur. Uh, any thoughts on any of those? Yeah, well, it, it is interesting to me to think about the Packers offense and there, there's been a lot said about sort of the sluggish start and they, you know, oftentimes haven't been on the same page. And when I watched the preseason, it just seemed to me like Matt LaFleur was throwing out the most vanilla scheme that he could think of um, really, you know, and, and a lot of that is just 
figuring out how to evaluate your players because if you're running a lot of uh, motion and and uh, what what did the old football pundits say trickeration um, <laughs> that it becomes difficult to evaluate one on one matchups. You know, is the scheme getting people open or or are the individual players? But you know, I think what we're going to see on Thursday is something that we have not seen in Green Bay. There is going to be a lot of pre-snap motion. I think there's going to be a lot of things that uh, would probably make Mike McCarthy faint. And it's going to be interesting to see if it works. We don't yeah. know. <laughs> and, no, and, we don't. And, and that's, that's going to be really fun, I think, um, because we've seen this offense be successful in Atlanta and San Francisco and to to you know an extent the the Los Angeles Rams um, although I have a feeling Matt LaFleur's version is a little bit different and then what he was you know doing in Tennessee last year despite having a quarterback with essentially no throwing arm um, it you know it, it's it's going to be fun and and I think it seems like Aaron Rodgers is having fun which I think indicates that he likes what he's doing. So um, I will be anxiously awaiting to see how the offense looks against that vaunted Bears defense. Yeah, it's certainly a huge litmus test uh, just in game one and uh, to, to kick things off for Matt LaFleur. But I think you put it absolutely best. It's so much fun because I think there's a lot of intriguing question marks with this team. I've said it all off season. Uh, you know, was was Aaron Rodgers season last year, you know, more due to Mike McCarthy and some of the injuries and some of the players around him? Or did we start to see some of our first, you know, real signs of decline? You know, can Aaron Jones stay stay healthy and can he finally have that really true, you know, big breakout season through the through the entirety of a season um you know does a receiver step up opposite Devontae Adams can Jimmy Graham kind of get back into his old form can that offensive line really gel together especially with the addition of Billy Turner you've got all the new edge rushers and Gary and Preston and Zadarius Smith so uh you know you go on and on and on with this roster Darnell Savage is intriguing there's a lot of questions there's a lot of really great answers to all of those questions if things go the way that we hope they do but there's there's questions and I think that's going to be so fun to start really unpacking it, see how a lot of this works uh, in a in a full 16-game season, see how Matt LaFleur coaches with a, a quarterback the caliber of Aaron Rodgers. The, the list goes on and on and on, and all of it becomes really kind of unpredictable and really kind of fun because of that. So I think that's one of the favorite things that I'm looking forward to going into this season. We got to kind of head out here, Andrew, but what is your prediction for Packers-Bears this Thursday? I know you'll be able to uh, break it down uh, Friday. You'll have kind of the post-game report again, but what is your prediction going Going into the game, I'm going to both be honest here and give you the opportunity to be the hero to the listeners. I'm going to say 21-17 Bears, just because the game's in Chicago, and I think um, a lot of new parts for for Green Bay. Yeah, I think uh, I'm not. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to take the the bait and be the hero here. I think that sounds just about right. I think it's going to be a close game. I do give the edge to Chicago. You go back in these these early Thursday home games. Now, usually it's the the defending Super Bowl champion, in which case this this is not. Uh, this is a team that lost in the first round in in crushing motion, you know, in crushing situation due to the missed field goal, and maybe they have some hangover in regards to that. And we've certainly seen a little bit a bit of that in the kicking competition so far in Chicago, but. 
Uh, I do think that uh, this is a team in Chicago that uh, has a lot of really amazing pieces. I think they're going to make it very tough on Green Bay. I think that atmosphere is going to be jacked. And I don't know that there's necessarily a, a huge uh, you know, egg on your face for losing a, a tough-fought game in Chicago week one. Um, and then again, you get those 10 days to get back to Green Bay and prepare for Minnesota in a, in a game that I think they will win. Uh, but I do think that this is probably, uh, I lean a little bit uh, on the side of them losing a close game. Would not surprise me in any capacity if Green Bay pulled this game off. The last thing that I want to ask you, Andrew, end of the game, three seconds left, Chicago's down by two, and they have to kick a 43-yard field goal to win the game. Or if they miss it, they lose. What's the, what's the end result? Oh, they're missing that kick for sure. They're absolutely missing that kick. I would give, uh, it's interesting because you don't, like, I wouldn't feel great going into that kick. Like, if you told me right now that the entire game was on the line, uh, the Packers were up by two with three seconds left and the Bears had a 43-yarder to win it, like, I wouldn't feel generally great in that position. But, man, what what an insane storyline that that would be and, and just super fun to watch. Yeah, Matt, Matt Nagy has created such anxiety over it. I just feel like everybody in the stadium would be like being torn apart internally, and it, it's going to affect the kicker. It it just is. I feel like everyone would like watching that game. Everything like it, there would be like a silence like across the you know, United States of like everyone watching this game of like it's just it would be the, the most pressure like the, there wouldn't be a sound in that Bears stadium. I don't think it would just be the most nervous possible moment you could imagine. It would be really quite incredible. Absolutely. All right, that does it for us, Andrew. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can we follow you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter at Andrew Mertig. And we will see you uh, this Friday, correct, for the post-game show? Absolutely. Kyle and I will be back. I can't wait for that. You guys do incredible work, so make sure to check out Kyle and Andrew this Friday as they break down, hopefully, a Packers amazing win over the Chicago Bears. Uh, Make sure to check out Dan, Matt, and Janelle tomorrow as they do a deep dive and break down the Packers offense versus the Bears defense. Thank you so much again, Andrew. This was fantastic. Thank you so much to Aldo for joining us and a great interview with Andrew. Does it for us today. Until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment 
and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.